Welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and what a beautiful Friday morning it is here in Bentonville, Arkansas. We're about 15 miles from the University of Arkansas, Razorback. Oh, I love being in Hogs Country, I'll tell you what. You know, it's the morning after... The NFL schedules were released, and we have a lot of news to talk about in regards to um, people's opinion on the schedules, and we're going to highlight a couple of, you know, the teams that our listeners follow to. We'll, we'll be doing that in a little while. Before we get started with that, I want to talk about the NHL, some news out of the NHL, the New York Post which is a terrific newspaper, Reliable Sauce, is now saying that um, the NHL's reopening plan has shifted from completing the 2019-20 regular season to instead staging a team tournament, a 24-team tournament that would include a best-of-three play-in round. So that everything, you know, day-by-day, Week by week, you're hearing of all these changes, and now they're talking about the 2014 playoffs. Um, you got to remember, the NHL players are still under a stay-at-home advisory, but that is expected to be updated within the week. We are told that the league's focus has shifted to the tournament plan. It's basically because of three basic reasons. Number one would be condensing the duration of play to better guard against the potential of a second wave of the coronavirus. Um, and, and what they don't want is they don't want to start the season and then have a, another shutdown. Number two is avoiding having to resemble teams with no realistic chance of making the playoffs and have them play up to a month worth of meaningless game. What they're basically saying there is, why have these teams play if they're not going to make the playoffs anyway? And then number three would be avoiding the prospect of quarantine within a hub city hotel for up to four months, including a three-week training camp. For teams going deep into the playoffs, following a regular season completion. Now, you know, nothing again is concrete. And we're just reporting the information from reliable sources that we are getting. But as you can tell right now, things are starting to open up. And you got to remember, you know, the NCAA, I was listening to uh, the Paul Feinbaum show, which I love listening to Paul. And they were talking about the NCAA and college football specifically. And they're talking about how now how different universities want to go ahead and open up and play football whether other teams in the division or in the conference do it or not. So basically what they're saying is now, instead of the conference deciding, it's going to be up to the universities to decide. And, you know, we're creating a lot of issues here. And let me explain what's happening here. You know, it's a billion-dollar industry, the NCAA. It's getting to a point now where, you know, these universities at first were saying, no, it's too much risk here, it's too much risk here, no, it's risk for our students, uh, no, it's risk for our athletes. But now all of a sudden, you're starting to see the greed of these universities finally coming out. And that that's exactly what I thought would have happened. Exactly what I thought. Because greed takes over everything, whether we think it's right or we think it's wrong. So now the universities are saying, and the athletic directors and the presidents are getting together and saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Not only are we at risk of losing the season now, 
we're at risk of losing our athletic department. Our program altogether could be sinking in the ocean because of the coronavirus. Now, I understand and I agree with everyone. The biggest factor in opening things back up is the safety of the individuals that are involved. Whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, whether you're a staff personnel, whatever is the safety. But what the university, first of all, understand this. The universities cannot, the NCAA cannot open up without the government allowing them to. So what the universities are saying is, if the government's allowing it, we really don't give a crap what anybody else thinks because the government officials are saying we can open. And that, that, that's really what's happening here. Because obviously if the government says, no, we don't want you to open or you can't open because it's a risk, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. You can't do it. It becomes the rule, the law, however you want to word it. But now what's going on is these um, presidents and these athletic directors are saying, whoa, you know, there's a lot more at risk here than we first noticed. Although I don't think there's anything at a more important risk or higher risk than the safety of human beings. But now... It's kind of amazing how these things are shifting. And, you know, the University of Arkansas, you know, Hunter Juracek came out and said, Arkansas is opening. He's right. The state is opening. The government, the mayor, they're all saying, go ahead. You know, we're in phase one. Phase one says this. In 14 days, as long as there's no increase in any fatalities or any deaths, we go to phase two. As of now, Hunter Juracek is saying their team is playing football this upcoming year. They are planning July 15th. July 15th, they're starting practices. Unless they are 100% told by government officials, they cannot. Number two, they are planning on starting the season at home Right here in Arkansas, in Fayetteville, on September 5th, it would have to come down from the government that they are not allowed. Now, school officials, they're human beings. They have the right to deny that. Just like Mark Cuban yesterday said his team, even though the camps in basketball are opening today, they reopen those facilities, he's not allowing his team. That's completely up to them. They can make the decision as long as the government gives them an opportunity. But if the government says no, they can't. And that's the problem right now. What you're seeing, whether you're in the SEC, the Pac-12, uh, or the Pac-12, the Big Ten, you know, whatever conference you're in, it's per school now. They don't give a crap what the other school says anymore. If you're in the SEC and, you know, you're in the SEC East, okay, and you're Florida, and Florida says, okay, you know what, we're going to open up. We're playing our football schedule this year. We got permission from uh, the state of Florida to go ahead and play football. That's what we're doing. Well, let's say they say yes, we're going to do it. But someone like Georgia, who's in the SEC, says, Georgia does allow us to do it, but we're choosing not to do it. Florida don't give a crap what Georgia does. It's their money they're losing. And right now, I'm sorry, as terrible as it says, you're only fooling your damn self if you really think these presidents and athletic directors really care about the safety of their staff. They don't. It's money, because at the end of the day, if these people don't go ahead and play football for their university, it's going to be like they're dead. It's going to be like the athletic director has no reason to live, or the president, because everything they work so hard for is going to be completely gone. And although it is a shame, and I agree it's a shame, you know, 
That's just the way it is. You know, I've been trying to tell people year after year after year, it doesn't matter whether it's college football, college uh, basketball, even to a point college baseball, okay? It's become a major business. It's a huge business. And they're right now in jeopardy, if this season doesn't go on, of losing that business. And everybody that follows sports, especially college sports, understands that probably 80 to 85%, if not more, of the money an athletic department makes is from their football team. They are not going to risk it. It would have to take a major, major reoccurrence of COVID-19 to cancel that season. Right now, you know, I remember, and this is how people are in the United States of America. The first day we reopened, um, I think a couple of states were different. I think Florida reopened on the 6th. Or Arkansas started, their restaurants will open uh, this Monday, but they, you know, opened a couple of things on the 6th. And all of a sudden on Monday, some of the deaths rose. And I had to look up people and said, are you that stupid? Those tests were given a couple of days ago. They didn't take those tests today. Okay? So people are automatically looking for excuses and ways to say that, you know, we shouldn't open back up, okay? Eventually, as a society, we got to open back up. There's going to be risks when we open back up. We understand that. We know that. But we can't question every little thing. If the government says it's okay, the experts say it's okay, you gotta go on living. And, you know, I don't want to beat this into the ground, but, you know, it's about time that, you know, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a restaurant worker, you know, you, it's, you gotta go back at some time. And there's gonna be that risk. And you can rely on, you know, people go, well, rely on the experts. Okay. I can sit five experts, five doctors right in front of me, and I'm going to get five different answers on what the hell is going on in the United States of America. Because none of them know what the hell is going on because they never had to go through it before. So they're only, yes, they go through data. They go through, you know, one of my favorite sayings is the only way to deal with analytics is to analyze it. So you can get all the numbers you want, whether it's a ball player. You know, I used to tell people that when, you know, when you're coaching baseball, you know, I used to tell people, okay, someone says, well, Larry, let's look at the analytics. And I don't believe in analytics in professional sports. I mean, I think they play a purpose. I think you should look at some numbers, but I think a lot of coaching should be gut. You know the game, you know how to put the game in. When you want to look at a hitter, because let's look at analytics, for example. Let's say that you're a pitcher, because baseball uses more analytics than anyone. You're a pitcher in baseball, and a hitter is coming up. Mike Trout is coming up, and I'm just using an example here, okay? Mike Trout is 8 for 20 against this pitcher. 8 for 20, let's say, lifetime, which is about a 400 batting average. But maybe Mike Trout, in his last eight at-bats, struck out six times and, you know, hit two weak ground balls um, in the infield. So he's really, oh, he's 8 for 20, but at one time he was 8 for 12. So you got to really look down into the analytics. And I think that's the problem with these experts. Nobody knows what the hell's going on. And, you know, hopefully we can get back sometime in the near future with this. When we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit about some Arkansas basketball and hear from Eric 
uh, Musselman. And then we're going to get into some of the schedules uh, that were released yesterday and talk about them right after our buddy Dick Vitale. Athletic world, educational world, legal world, whatever, could only take you so far. Yes, talent is great, but what gets you over the top and puts you up there at a big, big successful rate is work ethic. Without work ethic and the drive and the desire to be better each day than you were the day before, you can't be a success. Talent in anything. Yes, you see it in sports. A lot of talented people, and sometimes they don't succeed because they don't have that incredible drive and that desire and that ability to persevere, especially at tough times when mental tenacity is needed. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. Want to remind you all, if you are not currently a member of the fastest growing sports Facebook group out there. You need to become a member and have your friends become members too. It's Frankly Speaking Sports. You go to Facebook, make sure you put the word sports in at the end. We give you the latest and most updated news. And we got some breaking news right now we're about to update you on. The Jacksonville Jaguars, it is reported by league sources, have just signed a backup quarterback. Mike Glennon, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, who really did pretty well with the Buccaneers at times, and then went over and signed that big uh, contract with the Bears before they got Travinsky, is now on his way to Jacksonville to play with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that should be pretty interesting, although they're still saying it's Gardner Minshew's team, but... You know, Mike Glennon is a veteran, and, you know, I'm sure they're not going to have any issues, and I know Mike won't have any issues being a backup over there. Now, before we went to break, I said, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to go into the NFL schedule, which was released, talk about who has some of the toughest schedules, if the NFL screwed anybody over that, but... Before we get to that, I want to stay on Arkansas University for a minute. Um, basketball. You know, we've been hearing about the NBA draft and about Isaiah Joe and about Mason Jones. Let's catch up with Eric Musselman and see what he had to say about both those guys. Update on Isaiah Joe. Yeah, no no update on Isaiah. I mean, he's, he's going through the process and... Um, you know, as far as Mason goes, um, you know, I mean, like I've kind of said all along, like, you know, we support him. Um, he had an incredible year. Um, it's really hard to do the things that he did, lead the nation in free throws attempted, lead the nation in free throws made. Um, you know, Mason had a, um, a Skype or whatever you want to call it, a virtual uh, interview yesterday. Uh, with the team, uh, Jimmy Witt had one um, early this morning already. So um, you know, with our with our Isaiah's got interviews lined up. So I think with our guys, I mean, you want to support them and and um, been on the phone a lot about Mason with NBA guys, um, and you know now uh, that they're you know that we know that he's uh, in that draft. Um, you know, we just hope that, um, you know, that he positions himself to, to, to in front of the NBA teams to put himself in the best position to potentially uh, be a draft pick and, and, and um, you know, to, to, to live out his lifetime goal. All right, that was Eric Musselman, the head basketball coach of the University of Arkansas, giving us an update on both Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones. Um as we spoke about earlier, last night, the NFL scheduled time and dates were released. And like I said, we are going to go over that in a minute. But I want to go over something right now and in the Tampa Bay area. You know, Tampa Bay has a lot going for them right now. You know, unfortunately, COVID-19 has hit. I mean, they had WrestleMania that is going to be rescheduled there. It was scheduled, would have been a huge event. They got the Super Bowl next year. 
uh, this year, however you want to word that. Then you got three teams that really look good on paper when you talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Tampa Bay Rays, and you also got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you look at those teams, I mean, obviously the season was cut short for the uh, Lightning, who uh, were playing very, very well. Uh, not as great as last season, but everybody remembers what happened last season. They end up having the best record in NHL history, and then they can't win even a game in the playoffs as they were ousted by uh, four times by Columbus. So this year they were looking forward to it with a great team, and they had a legitimate shot at going to the Stanley Cup. Then you look at the Tampa Bay Rays, whose team this year was definitely scheduled and projected to do real well. They got a great infield, great outfield, I mean, there's only three guys on that whole depth chart that's not a pitcher now we're talking about that is over age 30, okay? You got, I think it's Jose Martinez is 31, and then Kevin Kermeyer and Joey Wendell are 30. So that team's going to be good for years to come. And, you know, they were really projected to do well this year. And, you know, the two things about those teams is you don't hear really any conflict among players. Nobody selfish on that I can think of on the Lightning. Um, nobody on the Rays. They play together. They talk about unity. They talk about teamwork. But, damn it, I got a problem with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm going to tell you what it is. And a lot of you may not like it. But on my show, I don't care what you like. I'm here to tell you the facts. And if you want to argue with me, that's what we're here for. We're, like I said, we agree to disagree. And if you have comments, please do so. But I got a problem with Tom Brady. And people go, well, what's your problem with Tom Brady, Larry? Well, my problem with Tom Brady is that I feel Tom Brady doesn't give a crap about anyone but himself. And I'm going to explain this to you. And this started... Back, I think, in either late 18 or early 19, 2019. And it started out when he tried to trademark Tom Terrific. Okay? Now, I grew up a Mets fan, and my favorite player, my first favorite player, because, you know, one of my favorite players was Pete Rose, but my first autograph and the first guy that I enjoyed watching as a kid was Tom Seaver, the real Tom Terrific. And... You know, I get really, really upset. Here's a guy that tried to take the trademark, okay? Tom Terrific didn't care what you called him. Tom Seaver, hey, great. You want to call me Tom Terrific? Great. But to Tom Brady, it was all about Tom Brady. Now, Tom later came out and said, oh, no, no, people are misunderstanding me. I didn't like the name and I didn't want to be called it. You're full of crap, Tom. Okay, cut the crap already. And, you know, I wish Tom would come on my show because I tell him. I The difference between me and Brady is I'll tell you like it is. like it is. I'm not going to lie to you. And that's what he did with the whole Tom Terrific thing. Finally, somebody, whoever's in charge of the trademarks, whether it was the court or whatever, said, no way, this is too much resemblance. The real Tom Terrific, Tom Seaver. That's number one. Then you get traded to Tampa Bay. Okay, and yes, you bring Rob Gronkowski over and, you know, it's a big, big deal in Tampa Bay. Okay, now he wants to come out shirts and he trademarks Tampa Bay and Tampa Brady. Those are the two shirts and people go, well, what's the big deal? It's Tom Brady. It's his name. Why can't he do it? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you something. When I was an athlete, and if, Tom, you're listening, I'm telling you directly this. I was an athlete before, and I've been there on a high level as far as being with the Yankees, then being with the Dolphins, and the one thing you're always taught in professional sports or amateur sports or Little League sports 
is it's not the name on back of the jersey. It's the name on front of the jersey that's important. And in this case, you're coming over to a new team, and the only person you really give a crap about is yourself. And I have a problem with that, Tom Brady, because as a new member of a team here in Tampa Bay, you're supposed to build unity, you're supposed to build teamwork, you're supposed to be part of a family. You would have never been as good as you were in New England without your offensive line. There is no questions about that, okay? And you're not going to be good in Tampa Bay without those people protecting you and fighting for you. And when you come over and all you think about is trademarking, making my name, yes, I know you'll make money, but if you start doing those things, the camaraderie and the leadership and the team values all go to the wayside because people think you're selfish and you only care about yourself. Now... I know there'll be some of you that disagree with me out there, okay? But what other player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has a trademark for his own name? Or not even his name. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Tampa Bay is not his name, okay? Tampa Brady is his name. It's ridiculous. It's selfish. When you start thinking about yourself above the team, there is crap that's going to happen. And it doesn't work out. You know, just because Tom Brady is a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Rob Gronkowski is a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers does not mean they're going to win the Super Bowl. Okay? Yeah. Or if you Tampa fans think the Lombardi Trophy is yours right now, you are fooling yourself. This team is not a Super Bowl team yet. They got a Super Bowl offense and an average defense. And an average defense does not win football games. They may have the best rush defense in the NFL, allowing only 68 yards per team last year rushing against them. But their cornerbacks are terrible. They are not there yet. And I think there's going to be a rude awakening, and it could be as early as week one, when possibly the best quarterback of all time is facing Tom Brady, and that's Drew Brees. So for all you fans out there that think it's, 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 it's a given, you're wrong. You are wrong. Yes, they added Antoine Winfield Jr., okay? But that is not enough. Their pass, defense against the pass, was terrible. A Drew Brees, who they're facing, a Patrick Mahomes, who they're facing, um, a Matt Ryan, who they're facing, among some other people, are going to tear that defense apart. You know, I'm going to be looking at, you know, they don't have a bye week to week 13, and we're going to get into that. But those fans of you, you know, there is no resting period. If, and then if Brady goes down, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, yeah, he's been around. I see what Jacksonville did with him. See what Tennessee did with him. Nothing. They had to bring Ryan Tannehill, a guy over that has done a great job over there. I watched Blaine Gabbard, and nothing against him. I like Blaine, but he's not the answer. You Buccaneer fans need to relax. You are not there yet. You don't even have a kicker. You know if he can make a field goal. Matt Gay was very inconsistent last year. But going back to Brady, okay, one guy does not win a football game. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this before. I think Tom Brady is one of possibly the best quarterback to ever play the game. I will not deny that. I am not a Tom Brady hater. I am actually a Tom Brady fan. But when you do something like this, it people's perception of you become real bad. 
including the players around you. This team, if it's all about Tom Brady, is going to lose. He is 43 years old. They brought him in not because he's a great quarterback. They brought him in because he has a great IQ, a great football IQ, okay? Any pressure on Tom Brady, any pressure, he's going to fail. He's only completed 32% of the passes when he's been pressured, okay? It's a proven fact that Tom Brady does not complete passes when they put pressure on him. And believe me, he's about to face some teams that are coming after him. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. I am your host, Larry Frank. I really hope you're enjoying the show. Once again, I want to remind you that the... Information that I'm putting out, in some cases, are my opinions, okay? It may not be the majority opinion. If you want to make any comments, thoughts, concerns, or topics you want to talk about in the future, or topics just like the Tom Brady one we just talked about, please, you can leave a message right on the message link at the end of this podcast, And we will go ahead and play it on our next episode. You can also go to FranklySpeaking528 at gmail.com and leave a message. You can also follow us on Twitter at Larry Frankis with a U.S. at the end. And don't forget the fastest growing Facebook group, Frankly Speaking Sports. All the latest updates on news and everything you want to know about sports. Also, you know... We will put all of the podcasts on the Frankly Speaking Sports page for your listening convenience. Now, as we're about to get into the NFL schedules, um, you know, a lot of people saying, well, the schedules are coming out. Uh, What happens if this happens? COVID-19 this. You know, a little shebang, a little shaboom. Well, let me explain to you. Right now, the NFL is going on as scheduled. They do have, I'm sure, and I, you know, knowing Roger Goodell and Troy Vincent and those guys, they got backup plans in place. But as of now, everything is going on as normal until someone dictates they have to do differently. And, you know, talking to Troy Vincent, um, he's the vice president of football operations for the NFL. He's planning week one as a go veteran in the National Football League and a 2002 Walter Pate Man of the Year who now, wearing his Legends Community shirt, is the NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations other than Troy Vincent. Troy, um, I'm wondering, when you were a player, what was the first thing you looked at when the schedule came out and hit your hands? When I was in Miami, when? And when we were going to play Buffalo? It was Philly. Looked at those two Cowboy matchups. And then at that time, it was like a treat to play on Monday Night Football because everyone didn't have that opportunity. It wasn't a rotation. And in Miami, you know, we were playing on Monday Night Football about three times, three times a season. So those are the kind of things my eyes went to. And then, okay, if we were going to travel west, who were we playing? And was it a night game or an early game? And that's pretty much what I'm – I think many of the current Dolphins maybe uh, might be thinking about the Patriots instead of the Bills, although the Bills are uh, definitely coming on strong. And obviously, I think the Eagles, more things change, more they stay the same when you're talking about that. So um, let's let's hit a little bit on um, the, the real world. Uh, many people might be watching this schedule release show, and you're the perfect person to ask since you are in charge of football operations about how – uh, we will be playing the schedule and when we will play, be playing the schedule potentially, if if not week one. Can you tell me what your thinking is and the league's thinking is on this subject as we're sitting here? Yeah, yes, yes. Well, the plan is to move forward as, as normal, um, to play a full season, a full schedule, until the medical community tells us otherwise. And that's been our approach from day one, Rich, is whether it was the draft, let's just make sure we're responsible 
Uh, we're doing proper planning, but on a daily basis, because the things could change daily. Let's just make sure we're responsible. Any guidelines as it pertains to what the governor's orders are for the stay home policies, let's just make sure that we're aligned. Uh, we're following those guidelines. And that's been the approach as we look at our virtual off season, as we look and prepare for training camp and regular season, we're preparing as a league um, to play a full season. And in terms of and in terms of adjusting uh, as we go along here, I mean, so many people are going to be looking for any nest eggs, if you will, within this schedule to see if 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 it could be cut in half, cut in thirds, cut in two thirds at all. Um, is is there another schedule that might be out there, or this is about it, and we'll adjust off of what we're seeing here revealed tonight? No, this is it. Unless Howard Katz has that he hadn't shared with myself or the team. This is the schedule. We're excited about this schedule. We do our proper contingency planning, but and no, there's no other schedule unless Howard's going to drop something on the world tonight that we're not all aware of. No, I, I think uh, we're not planning on doing any more release than just the four-hour show we're doing right now, Troy. So <laughs> I appreciate the time. All right, that was Troy Vinson, the executive vice president for player personnel in the NFL, and he was talking about the start of the season. Like I said earlier, they're planning on it going on as scheduled. Now, before we get to the break, and I'm about to break down uh, the league, uh, we'll break down the Kansas City Chiefs first, a uh, local team here, and we're going to do that in a minute. I got them, the Buccaneers, and then I got, I'm not going to go the 10 top 10 games to watch, like Yahoo Sports does stuff like that. But we'll talk about the Chiefs. We'll talk about the Buccaneers, two of our biggest followings. Then I'm going to talk about two teams that I think have the toughest schedule. And before we do that, we're going to hear from Steve Mariucci and Deion Sanders on who they think might be the toughest schedules. And we'll see if it coincides with what I did. But here's, here's a little tape of... From last night on what Deion Sanders and Steve Mariucci think are the toughest schedules in the NFL. Toughest schedule, guys, that you've been able to sift through this right now and peruse would be which? Well, for me, it's the New England, uh, New England Patriots. 53.7 winning percentage for teams last year, but that metric is a little bit misleading because every every team changes, okay? But here's some quirks with that they have. Yeah, they have a new quarterback. That guy that played quarterback for 20 years is gone. Jared Stidham is the guy now, fourth rounder out of Auburn last year. Guess what? He threw four passes last year, but you know what? And one was picked. He completed two, but you know what? Not to worry because the guy Dion knows very well. Brett Favre threw four passes when he was in Atlanta when Dion was taking him shopping for clothes. Remember that year? He had four passes, couple picks. He turned out to be okay. If Jared Stidham turns out like Brett, you'll be fine. Then they have some quirks in the schedule. Three games in a row on the road. That doesn't happen very often. They go to the L.A. Chargers. They're going to stay there. Because the next Thursday night game is in L.A. in the same stadium. They're going to have their clothes in the same locker. Just stay there and practice. All right, that's fine. But then you come home and you got to go to Miami. Now, Miami had their record since 2013 is just 2-5. and five. So there's a road stretch that's pretty tough out there. And here's one more quirk. They play the Jets at the Jets on a Monday night football. And then they come back and they play Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens in a short week. You don't want a short week to play that guy because it's a crazy offense to defend. So that's a tough spot to play the Ravens, even though it's at home for New England. Dan, what do you got? Mooch, I'm glad you mentioned the Jets. And first and foremost, I took Brett Favre to the hood to get some real clothes and he never wore them, just for the record. I don't know why, he never but they wore. look good on him. And when you think about the Jets, we need a New York team in sports to be successful. We just need it. It oh, makes boy. everything better. I don't give a darn if the Giants, the Jets, uh, the Yankees, the Mets. I don't care. We just need one of them to ball out. But the Jets, man, 
You're talking about Donald, third-year quarterback. Hadn't played great, hadn't played bad. I think he's going to be okay. And you think about Le'Veon Bell in his second year there. The guy really don't want to be there. You can call him what you want. There ain't no way you want to go through that. Seven to nine a year ago, they're getting a little better. But look at this darn schedule. The Bills, the 49ers. Put the schedule back up there. I want you to look at this darn schedule real slow. I mean, the Bills, the 49ers, you start off with that? From a, with a team that was 7-9, you want them to get off to a good start to get going with this young quarterback, this young offense. But come on, man. That, that, that don't even make sense, man. It really don't. You got to help these guys. Then you go to the Colts. Then you go to the Broncos on Thursday night. The Cardinals, that, thank you for that breather. The Chargers, thank you, Jesus, for that. The Bills are good. The Chiefs are excellent. The Patriots, we don't know who's going to quarterback, but guess what? The Dolphins, man, come on, man. This, this is unbelievable to throw these guys in this type of fire and to end up with the darn Seahawks, Rams, Browns, and Patriots. Thank God for the Browns. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for the Browns. Hey, that's a tough one, man, wow. for the Jets. It really is, and it ain't fair. It- so that was Steve Mariucci and uh, Deion Sanders with that pick. Now, I'll tell you what. I want the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, they uh, they start on a Thursday night versus the the Houston Texans. So right away they got a tough game. I mean, Houston is a good team. It's not a bad team. They have a lot of promise in that young team. So they'll play at uh, eight twenty Eastern time on September tenth. Okay, the last time two teams met in when Patrick Mahomes, I think, had that uh, big, big lead. And I think he just came back and he whooped them in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. Uh, and then I think they got a Monday night game versus Lamar Jackson and the Ravens as well. So a really, really tough schedule for Kansas City. But you're the Super Bowl champs. Uh, Super Bowl champs is going to be a little bit difficult. But when you have 20 of 22 guys on that team returning, one of them being, you know, Patrick Mahomes, and you added to your backfield uh, Edwards there, Hilaire, uh, you're going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to have that much to worry about. Um, I know they do play, I believe it's New England and the Jets back-to-back here in uh, Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, So they got, you know, no one said it was easy, but I think the only team this year, right now, now I told you my dark horses, but I think the one team that might, and I say might, be able to compete with, the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, that team is just unbelievable. That offense, like uh, Steve said, is just unbelievable. You never know what you're going to get. So, you know, that's the only team that scares me, really, who they play this year. Then you got, the for you Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans, um, you open up versus the Saints. Right away, a great, great division battle versus the top two quarterbacks to ever play the game in Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Um, I think the furthest that team has to go for an away game this year is Vegas. So besides that, they don't go to the West Coast all year. I don't know when the last time that happened. So if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, you don't have to worry about that West Coast uh, loss that they usually get when they go out west. Um, the other good news is they play a lot of their outer division games at Raymond James Stadiums. They play versus the Packers and Aaron Rodgers at home. They play versus the Rams and Jared Goff at home. They play versus the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes at home. They play versus the Vikings and Dalvin Cook at home. So all those games that are out of the division, you know, four of those games are at home. So, uh, you know, what I think is a very, very favorable schedule um, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They also have five night games 
between weeks 5 and 11. Five night games and five of those are primetime games in a seven-week stretch. You know, hey, you know, they got some good teams they're playing too, but the good news for them is a lot of those good teams are at home. A lot is going to depend, like we said, on that defense and how they handle the passing game from opposing teams. You know, we talked about both the Chiefs and the Bucks here. Why don't we go a moment to listening to Steve Mirucci talking to Andy Reid about, amongst other things, the matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Super Bowl winning coach. Andy, thanks for joining me. Where are you at home? I'm assuming you're at home, right? I'm, I'm at home, Mooch. Absolutely. Yeah. How are you? I'm Where are you at? Too. Are you so in California? Here, let's get on it. I'm fantastic. I'm, a, I'm in Northern California right now, okay? I'll meet you in Southern good. California sometime good. this summer, right? Okay. That's right. So listen, talk, talk to us about af, after winning the Super Bowl, and did you, did you have a chance to enjoy it or to celebrate, or, or what have you done since then? How has it changed your life, or have you just been sheltering in place with Tammy? What's been going on? Yeah, so I had a little bit of time to enjoy it uh, before the lockdown. Went out to California for a little bit and then came back, and uh, it's been great. I mean, you know, it's been – and even being able to visit with the players right now, it's kept it real positive. So it's been a, it's been a good thing. Let's go back to uh, coaching because we have now a new way of coaching and I'm going to grab something right here in my office. I got all kinds of stuff in my office. I know you have one of these, Andy Reid. All right, it's a staff 28 years ago. Look at you. You had hair and everything else, and Gruden and me, Dick Geron, and just talked to him and Sherm and Bray Bob and that bunch. You remember it well, right? But I want to know, I want to know this new way of coaching now, this vir- virtual meetings that, that you've been a part of. Do you... Do you get on with all the position groups when they're having installations or, or position meetings? Um, what do you do as the head coach? Do you get on with everybody once in a while? Yeah, so we have the ability to have team meetings. Uh, I, I haven't had many of those, so I try to stay away from that. And then we've also had chances to break up and have offense and defensive meetings, which we've, which we've done. Uh, and then... Uh, we break up into individual meetings, and then as a head coach, you can kind of bop in on all the different groups and, and talk yeah. with the guys, and just so they know that you're watching, like they're like they're doing. Uh, you're you're part of that. <laughs> yeah. So you guys return 20 of 22 starters from that Super Bowl team, and you open with yes, the Houston Texans. And you remember very well that divisional playoff game, Andy, from last year. To me, that was unreal. It was like crazy watching that thing. You guys are down 21 to nothing in the first quarter. I'm going, I can't believe my eyes. And then you score seven touchdowns in a row. I said, I can't believe my eyes. Talk about facing that team in your opener and playing against J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson and the boys. Well, for, yeah, listen, O'Brien's done a great job there. They've got a heck of a football team. and. We respect the heck. All righty. We are having some technical difficulties. Um, so we won't get to the part where uh, Andy obviously talks about uh, the Buccaneer matchup. But that's going to be one heck of a battle with Mahomes versus Brady, the youngster versus the elder. And uh, definitely, definitely... A game, and that game is in Tampa Bay, like I said earlier. Earlier, now before we get done with our show today, the two toughest schedules, and I know Dion and Steve earlier mentioned how he they had New England and the Jets. I did have New England as the toughest schedule. You know, they play seven games against playoff teams from a year ago, so half their schedule is playoff teams. Um. That amount of games versus playoff teams from last year is actually tied for most in the NFL. So they are playing the most games versus playoff teams. I think it's one other team playing the same. Um, they have 
early season games away, which is really going to be tough, in Seattle and KC. Uh, I'll tell you what, I know the KC game is, I believe, right in the first week of October. So, you know, a, a lot going on there for them. And they're only one of only three teams to actually have a three-game road trip. You remember last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'll never forget it. I went to the, I had season tickets there last year when I was in Tampa. I went to a home game on September 22nd. We weren't a home again until the first week of November. We went like seven or eight weeks without a home game, which was some of the worst scheduling I've ever seen the NFL do. But this year they seem to get it right. The other team um, that I think really has one of the tougher schedules is the New York Giants. Not that the Jets don't, but I, the Giants open up week one on Monday Night Football. Hey, Daniel Jones, get ready, baby. But, you know, they play Ben Roethlisberger, who is always dangerous um, whenever you play him. So that should be a real, real good test for that young Giants team. They also got a new head coach. Joe Judge, and people say, well, you know, there's other teams. I know, but it makes it that much tougher when you not only have a brand new coach and you have, you know, a brand new offense because of the systems changing and you haven't had any OTAs or any type of meeting with the players, it makes it that much tougher. Then in week three, they got the 49ers on the road um, and then I think they also have games versus the Rams and the Cowboys. So just a tough, tough schedule for the New York Giants. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I want to remind you, if you have any questions, thoughts, ideas, topics you want us to discuss, you can go right at the end of this podcast and leave a quick message on our message link and we'll get it and we'll play it on our next episode. You can also go to franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. And once again, you can go to our Twitter account, at Larry Frankis. If you have a Twitter account, get on Twitter. Make sure to follow us. And then don't forget, the most upcoming, most popular, one of the most famous sports groups on Facebook, Frankly Speaking Sports. You want these podcasts? They also come on Frankly Speaking Sports every day. But other than that, you also get the most updated sports news around. We have a lot of listeners from a lot of different areas. And we love to update you as much as possible. As often as we get the news, we pass it on to you. Want to thank everybody so much for joining us today. All of you have a great weekend, and we'll see you this Monday when R.J. Ochoa, the ESPN analysis from San Antonio, joins us live this Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us.